Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to Biased with me, Jose Criales Unsueta. Joining us today is Mario Bad, fashion editor of Paper Magazine. On today's episode, Mario and I talk about his role as a fashion editor, writing about fashion, the current state of fashion media, our favorite fashion writers, and how publications can keep good relationship with brands while reporting transparently. Hey dolls, what's up? Welcome back to Bias. Welcome to season two. For this first episode of the season, I have an amazing guest, my favorite fashion editor, my dear friend Mario. What's up? Hi, hi. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I think like from the beginning, when I first started this, I was like, okay, this is one of the dolls that needs to be a part of this. And you've been so supportive of this from, from the start. So I'm so happy that you're a part of this. Well, I can't think of a better person like me to kick off season two. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Period. Exactly. That's, that's the energy. Um, yeah. So like, let's start. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what do you do? Who is Mario? Yeah. Um, oh God, who is Mario? I guess I'm still trying to figure that out. But uh, no, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I'm, my name is Mario Abad. I am currently the fashion editor at Paper Magazine. Um, I've been here, uh, it'll be two years this summer. Um, and yeah, it's, um, I live in New York city, you know, I've loved fashion for a really long time, um, since like, first year of college. Um, and I think it's, you know, a great, the fact that I'm in a position to like cover it, write about it, be in it is, you know, sometimes still surreal, but you know, there's nothing I love more than, than, you know. And I guess we'll talk about this later, but, you know, like a great, like a great show, a great collection or a great celebrity style moment, you know, it's uh, like nothing beats that. So Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about how you got to paper. Yeah. Um, so before paper, I was uh, freelance writing for um, about seven or eight mm-hmm. months. Uh, I was contributing, you know, everywhere from Fashionista to Forbes, Footwear News, um, uh, gosh, Rob Report, um, you know, I was hustling. Um, it was a little bit scary, um, as any freelancer can attest. Uh, you know, not having a steady paycheck is it's kind of rough, but it just forces you to be, you know, creative and, um, you know, think of great ideas to pitch stories. And um, I think through that sort of um, uh, time is where I've published some of my best work. And uh, so this was in 2019, the digital director, Justin Moran, um, he was looking for to fill my position. I was a fashion reporter first. um, And he came across my bylines, uh, just online, um, like literally out of nowhere, he emailed me and asked me to come in. And, um, and that's how I started. Before freelancing, I did a couple of like fellowships at Hearst. Um, I was at Men's Health doing like style and grooming. Um, I was at L doing like fashion and beauty closet assisting. Um, so that, so yeah, so those are my early beginnings, but it was definitely the freelance period, which set me up to be where I am today. Work. Come on, career. <laughs> oh God. I know. Still, still, still trying, still trying. I Listen, I, it is no secret that I DM all the time, basically all day with a lot of the girls and one of, one of the publications that we always go back to into like publications that still excite us, that we love, that we enjoy reading is always paper. Um, and honestly, you are to blame for that because everything we read is like <laughs> either by you, edited by you, through you, et cetera. So like, 
I want to take this space to tell you that I'm not your only fan, <laughs> even though I'm number one. All, there's so many girls that always tell me, like, Pippa is so great. When you allowed me to write that, that piece on Till and Elmo Dover, everyone was like, oh, my God, like, this is so great. Paper is so amazing. Everyone was gagging because it was paper. So, like, you're that great. Well, thank you. <laughs> I think um, a lot of that is because, you know, you guys, like, the fashion community online and social media, you guys are what keeps me, like, still motivated and excited about working in the industry. And, you know, for that piece in particular, like, you know, you were the first person I thought of um, just because you know, you've shown your interests before and, you know, passion for film and, and all that. So I was like, what better person to write that? But no, I think um, a lot of like what, how we approach fashion at paper is just kind of being in tune with what the conversation is online and on Twitter and, you know, on Instagram that, you know, people are really talking about and curious about knowing and, we kind of delve into that space. Um, and I think it's, you, we're, it's, it's exciting because, you know, other sites, you know, are just kind of sticking to the same formula of, oh, you know, here's what Katie Holmes or Emily Redikowski wore, or, you know, it's very just generic fashion coverage, um, fashion writing, if you can call it that. But, you know, I tried in my time here to really, be in tune with what I guess the youth are the, youth. <laughs> the, better, the girls the dolls are, <laughs> are are talking about so I'm glad I'm glad you guys picked up on that what you just said is is really well what I think we all love and what, what really resonates the most like from paper is that it's not kind of like an outsider perspective into what the girls are looking at or like what people are talking about right I think that in some cases there's other publications that try to write about this quote unquote like internet culture or this like fashion commentary and all these all these topics that have become so popular in the past couple of months, right? Like Twitter, Clubhouse, all these things. Um, and it, it feels like still an outsider perspective. It feels like someone that's like peeking into what like the girls are saying and trying to write about it versus you are the girls. <laughs> like you are on Twitter all like all this time with us. Like you're talking about all these things as well. Like you're participating on Clubhouse, on Instagram, on all these conversations. And I think that's where so much of the value comes in as well. Like you not only know what's happening, but you are part of it. And that's also how you, and you have relationships with like all of us girls there too. Like you are actively replying, you're actively like reading what everyone's saying. And that's, that's I think where so much of the value of what you do um, resides. Well, thanks. You know, I think it's really, it's really, important to to be to be in tune with you know yes what what the prs and the brands are you know kind of talking about but also what people on twitter and instagram care about because if you're if you kind of distance yourself from kind of like what matters in in fashion it's you know you're, you're just you're, you'll just you're just kind of out of touch and no one really looks to you for your fashion point of view um i think with editors now, um, you know, there's many who are kind of like old school in a sense and aren't really participating in the conversations that, you know, we, we you know, the, the dolls are talking about. So I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy in that sense that I, I could kind of straddle both worlds. Um, so 
Come on, Hannah Montana. <laughs> the best of both worlds. Um, no, but really, like I think, following up into that, um, let's talk a bit. Let's let's dive into writing about yes. fashion. Like I would love to hear um, your perspective on like what's it like to write for fashion today. How has it changed from like when you first started when you were a freelancer a couple of years ago, um, working into these like much larger publications. And how has it evolved in your perspective, both as a writer and as an editor, but also as like a consumer, right? Because you're also reading all the articles, you're also looking at all the information. So you're in a very interesting position when it comes to that. So I would love to hear your perspective. Yeah, I think there's so much depth to fashion writing. I think on the surface, when you think of fashion writing, like as an outsider, you assume, oh, you're just writing about clothes or what celebrities wear. And I think that, you know, does a disservice to all like the deep layers of fashion as it ties into culture and society. Um, and, you know, I think it's fashion writing is particularly tricky when it comes to the business model, right? Um, where, where, the majority of clicks of fashion, you know, is celebrity style, is is pretty much anything tied to, you know, the biggest A-listers. Um, so a lot of like the fashion writing that excites me and the dolls are get kind of lost in the algorithm of Google of what certain names are wearing. And don't get me wrong, like a great celebrity style moment is like, you know, killer but you know a lot of the times it's just regurgitating the same names that i mentioned before um that those are the, the articles that you know and and this this dies into to, to like technical technical sort of world or whatever but you know it dies it's the first name that pops up in the carousel on google and a lot of the times that's what um media companies kind of aim towards but for for me fashion writing has evolved I think for the better in many cases, because a lot of, I guess not, I guess Gen Z, but just a lot of people on social media in general, like what they want more than anything is transparency and, you know, seeing what is really behind the smoke and mirrors. And, you know, you have great writers in fashion today, like, you know, GQ, Rachel Tajian, I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, uh, you know, to to a Lauren Sherman at BOF. It's these people who 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 are really diving deep into the subject matters that we care about, and not just rehashing a press release or you know something super generic. So I think that's the fashion writing that hopefully I'm I'm trying to you know get done at my place of work, but. Also, the work that I enjoy seeing from my colleagues and other publications who, you know, it's, it's, it's hard when you have to meet, you know, traffic goals. And, but when you have that space, when you're allowed that space to write about fashion in a meaningful way, um, even if it's like not the story that gets the most clicks compared to other pieces, but it's the stories like, like in the long run that we're going to be talking about or thinking about you know, or, or use it as a reference in the future, so. I love that. I love what you just said about, like, that portion of writing about fashion in a, in a meaningful way. And that sort of transparency, I think, something that resonates a lot with basically our generation um, and the next of these people that are going into the industry are actively informing themselves of the industry is, yes, that transparency and that, like, 
meaningfulness. Like they all want to know that like fashion is more than like something pretty to look at, right? Because for them it is as well. So they all want to find that information and they all want to feel like the information that they're being exposed to is like transparent. And I think it goes back into kind of like the whole concept of a, of catering to catering to a brand and that's where that the press release like um PR all of those things come in and I wanted to ask you about that balance because I think it's I I always talk about this with like other like social media dolls whether it's on Twitter or on Clubhouse or on Instagram and we are in a unique position where like what I say is basically just me right like I don't have I don't have to satisfy a brand or I don't have to satisfy a specific name because it's just me right but that also means that I'm not making any money off anything like I don't have brand partnerships I don't I'm not sponsored by anyone uh, no one's advertising on my page etc so like there is kind of like it's fully unbalanced where like the more liberty you have the least kind of like coin you're making basically right versus how does that happen at a publication really like when you do have brand relationships that you want to upkeep for like listen to get invited to a show to be able to look at a collection to preview something to to be able to pull something for an editorial etc versus keeping that transparency that meaningful perspective when it comes to fashion writing how do you try to balance that as an editor yeah i think it's just finding the time um and making the time in your schedule to do both right because i think when you are on staff at a publication like basically your part of your obligations as an editor is to maintain these relationships with with the brands and a lot of that is writing about you know they they have this um this is their main push for the season this new bag right and finding ways to cover it and keep them happy um it, it might not be the most exciting sort of story but you know it's something that is just part of your job responsibility um maintaining those relationships and um you know including them in you know roundups or gift guides you know something you know that not a lot of us are like dying to read but you know i think for for i think they still serve a purpose um in, mm -hmm. in the industry um for for whatever it's worth but it's also about finding the time like i said to plan like stories that you that you think will resonate with you know the wider fashion community Um, and you know, just, it's, it's, it's just really doing both. Um, I don't think you can be a great editor and just kind of do one or the other, um, especially if you're on staff and, and a lot of times you can still work with the brand, right. To, to carve a great story. It might not be something that they emailed you about. Um, it's, it does help when, if you're on staff at a publication and you have like a team, right. Of like fashion writers and editors. But I guess in my case, you know, I'm the only person on staff that, covers that vertical. So it's a bit more challenging to dive in both spaces. Um, you know, you just gotta be flexible and, um, you know, just, just, just find the time. It's, it's, a, it's, there's really not much to it. Uh, just, you know, I, ideally I, I would love to, you know, write about whatever the hell I want and just make that, you know, my day job, but obviously I can't. Um, and, and, you know, I think, the social, the fashion commentators online. I think that's still uh, a great example of fashion writing in itself. It's not necessarily tied to a publication, but I think, you know, the majority of, you know, fashion writing that I do consume on a daily basis is Instagram, is Twitter, is, is you know, these little snippets of commentary that, you know, is easily digestible and I can go, go on a 
on about my day versus I may read like, you know, one or two like articles, you know, good stories a day. Um, so I think there's definitely space for both. And what I appreciate about, um, about, you know, people like you or, you know, like a hot mode is that they're, it's the writing is like you said, it's not, it's not, I guess, tainted um, is a good word by, you know, relationships or anything like that. Um, but I think the great thing about fashion writing is if you're on staff is that you do have that access, right? You do have the access mm-hmm. to the designer, to the, to the atelier, to the studio, to, to their team. And so I think, um, it, you know, there's plenty of room for all of us. I love that. There's room for everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I love what you just said because it's, it's very true in terms of like, there really is room for everyone. I mean, I, and I've also found that, that like when I first started doing what I do on my platform, a lot of it was really based on assumptions, right? I was looking at something and I was like, I can assume that this is why, or like, this is how it happened, or this is the intention, whatever. And I think like the more people I've met in kind of this circle of writers or editors or comment or like commentarists and like just people, fashion people in general has allowed me to like, um, yes, still work based on my assumptions that are based on my knowledge and my experience. So they're still valid, but also have access to information, right? I think um, the more dolls you follow, the more dolls follow you, the more you like reply to DMs and have these conversations, people are more willing to tell you things. People send me like press releases. People send me like screenshots of conversations when that they talk to someone. And they're like, oh, I know the designer. This is what they told me. And it's been interesting to kind of like grow into that like secondary level of access while still consuming all of the like the primary source of information that's like the 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 fashion writers editors etc that are actually what you say like have the access into into the teams into the ateliers into all those conversations yeah Um, i think um it's you know we can assume all we want as just as fans but i think it's important to still know what the designer's intent was with the show, whether that's their show notes or press release or any kind of insight, because at the end of the day, like we can assume all we want, but I think you still need to incorporate that level of this is what they were going for, or this is what the company, like, I love what you, um, for this last Gucci show, you mentioned the sort of the business aspect, right. Of how um, this, the carrying uh, CEO was like, pushing for the handbags this season and we saw that with this collection and i think that context is important too because we can all i think everyone has an opinion on the aesthetics but it's it's i think it's really great to know what the company as or the brand is trying to accomplish on a business level um because that's ultimately what um you know there is what they want to get across with the, this collection and the next collection and what's going to end up in the stores and what's going to keep them running. So um, I like how you did that too. Thank you. I think that's something that I've learned, especially as this has started to grow, just all of that context is important because usually like I, I consume so much like fashion news, I guess, like whether it's BOF, whether it's paper, whether anything, I always consume it. It's like part of just what I am as a person, I, I just like to, like, I wake up, I read like VOF, I'm reading the, like all of the fashion news and what's happening. And I think sometimes we forget that that context is really important, right? I think the word context is like one of my favorite things when it comes to this kind of like these fashion conversations, because people really easily go off. Um, and that's why I started like really focusing on those things 
as of late when I talk about a collection because people like to go off of like the, I like it or I don't like it, but we tend to forget that like, yes, fashion is a business. Um, there's a lot of intention behind what a designer does, but there's also a lot of like, when you are a designer and this comes from my experience as well, working at a larger brand, you don't get to do what you want. Right. And the bigger the brand, the more roadblocks there are. And it's all those business strategies, all those decisions that like people forget that exist and people forget that like, you may not like the Gucci and Balenciaga thing, but it's, it's not about like disrupting the way things look in fashion right now in an aesthetic term, right? It's, it's disrupting the way things can work in terms of like the product offering, in terms of how you reach people, in terms of how you impact people. Um, and it all goes back to that business strategy. So like, I think those things are very important. And I'm a, I'm like, like I, I geek out, like I'm a nerd for like a quarterly report because like, like LVMH are carrying or Richemont or whatever, like, cause ultimately these companies like set the tone for the luxury industry at large and seeing how brands are performing, um, you know, with, if they, when they have a new designer at the helm or a new like category launch or anything, it just, it just really tells us a lot about the industry. And every time, like, you know, um, the a quarterly or annual report comes out, like it, it's really, it, it really provides great insight. Like if you, if you like fashion and, and you care about the industry, cause it's, you know, it's, um, a lot of those results are going to tell us, you know, maybe what, if their creative director's design are resonating or they're not, or, you know, the, just the, the business, uh, whatever, whatever reason it's not doing great in certain categories or ready to wear accessories. Like I can go on, but it's it's like a barometer, right. Of what Mm -hmm. fashion is going to, look like i think uh, in the future whenever you know we read those things so i i love a good report <laughs> same i love a good report again like when it comes to those assumptions like that's that's where the assumptions can come from when when it's based on those if on 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 that information right like again when you read it and you're like oh like turns out like sales are down okay so like it's been three years since a designer stepped in sales have been down like every quarter really after the initial boom are they renewing the contract, right? And that's where that speculation can come from. Or even like when you're talking about, again, like when you're talking about a new strategy, right? Like Gucci is a good example um, and a recent example. So again, like sales are down. So you know they need something impactful. You know, it's like the centennial. So you you already assume that they're going to have an uh, something, at least some sort of like disruptive or impactful to show the girls so they can talk about it. And then you hear that like, yeah, they want to show bags. So all of those information, you can piece them together and be like, oh, well, if there is like a Balenciaga, not collaboration, hacking, exactly. I'm like, in case there's someone listening and they're not mad, um, you can assume that it's going to be focused on bags, right? Or you can assume that if the stylist is throwing like three bags on a girl, it's not only because it looks fun, it's because the strategy is bags. So all of those things are really important to like listen and understand. So I, I, I love that you geek out on them because I definitely do too. I, I love a cue, a, a quarter group. Yeah, I think it's just, it's all part of the fashion writing ecosystem that I think a well-rounded person in fashion should know about. So like the financials of fashion, but also celebrity and also, you know, the runway and, and you know, or personal style. I think, you know, it's all just part of that 
fashion writing universe that it, it's so broad mm -hmm. and um, that I don't think a lot of people, you know, understand at times from the outside. But I'm glad I'm glad we can we can appreciate, I think, all its forms. Love that. So from now, let's go. I, I want to ask you, like what and you you've obviously already touched on this a little bit, but like both as a reader, but also as a writer, what kind of stories you find worth telling? Like when it comes to like some stories that you've written like recently, like Clubhouse, for example, what drives you into that? Obviously, it's something that's currently happening. It's something that is attracting a lot of attention, but so are a lot of things, right? So what what's kind of like your thought process when you're like, oh, this is worth my time and like the, the space, right? Yeah, I think um, a, a lot of that has to do with just kind of picking up on the early early talks and conversations of what people are noticing or talking about. And I don't know, it's just this thing in my brain that kind of flicks. It's like, oh, like this merits something a little bit deeper delving into. Um, so the clubhouse example, you know, it, it, it was just something I was noticing take, to take off. Um, and there was these mixed different opinions about it. Um, so so I, I, I thought, you know, like, It, it would be great to tell that story because you know it's not it, it, it's like you, you there's just there's just so many different um opinions about it and i wanted to kind of capture that all from from a fashion angle um so i'm glad i was like one of the first you know to kind of uh to yeah. kind of dive into that um but also i think just in general like i care more about like the why about something versus like the what because all of us can you know Uh, talk about you know so and so's collection or so and what so and so wore, but I I I I like to know why like something is happening or going on. So like you know why is Rihanna why does she wear like you know five different like archive like vintage looks in the past month or so? Like what is this telling us about you know her her wardrobe or you know how what she how she approaches fashion? What stylist she she's working with? So I wrote a piece about that. Right. Um, or, you know, why is Doja Cat, you know, working with uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier so much all of a sudden, like for her new album era, like there's something significant there. So let me look into that. Um, so it's, you know, like I said, it's, 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 like, it's like the why. And, um, you know, if, if you if, if I see something that not a lot, not publications maybe aren't covering right now, but it's obviously a subject that people think about, then that's kind of the story that I want to, that I want to expand on. So. I love, come on, Insta. <laughs> it's, it's a skill. Not everyone has that. It's actually really true. Like I, I laugh about this a lot um, in terms of like when I talk to some people and like some people send me like a Vogue article and it's like, oh girl, it's like the, it's, there's the 10th article on this topic. Right. And it's like, Listen, like, it's true. You know, there's a lot of publications that are kind of like the last ones to catch up. And it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. Like, you are, like, you're not only looking at people post about Clubhouse. You're not looking at people post screenshots of DMs. You're not looking at people talk about someone who's writing on fashion. You are the person. You are on Clubhouse. You are tweeting. You are blanking girls. Like, you are the person that's like, oh, Rihanna's wearing this vintage look. This is the look, you know, and that's your tweet. And then all the girls retweeted and then you write something about it. So like, I think that's where all the value is. And I like, 
I'm going to repeat it because I think that's what really sets you apart and what makes me find you such an important voice um, when it comes to like fashion in general, but also what sets paper apart through your work, because it's like you are so in touch with everything that's happening and you're so aware and you're, you're also, yeah, you're so involved that that really shows. I think it, it all goes back to like, as a publication, like you, like when you think about the magazines out there, right? Like, like the top fashion magazines, like ultimately if, if I open tabs for each one of them on my computer right now, I, it's going to be very hard for me to be able to tell you what makes each different or what makes each distinct. Mm -hmm. It's all the same content. It's all because they're all working with the same brands and PRs, but also they're all covering the same celebrities and their style. So it's like, okay, like, then why do we need 10 magazines to tell me the same story in fashion, right? So I think that's why I try a lot to, you know, incorporate my own flair and just because you want to set yourself apart, like, as, as, as a brand, as a publication. So, and, you know, that's still, that's still something that I'm trying to, trying to, trying to do and accomplish um, because I, you know, the... I don't want to like, you know, pinpoint anyone out. I'm just giving examples, right? Like, like I guess I'll just say like the Hearst publications and the Connie publications and Meredith. I guess they only have one, which is in style. But you know, it's it's it, I open the tabs right now, right? And you'll scroll through all the pieces, and it's like, okay, like I did not need ten different outlets to write like to tell me what I already need. Like, okay, what? Why do? Why? Why should we care about this story? Like, is there something else behind? this like you know dive deeper um and i think you can do both i can still think you report on the news but then like do like a like a take the next day like okay so like this is why it matters so mm -hmm. love okay i think that's a good um segue into fashion media in general at french um when we first we, we were first talking about this episode and i was like is there anything you want to talk about or you were like girl there's enough to talk about fashion media in general um, oh my god i could go on all day there really is. no i know and that that's really why you're here listen um if there's something i wanted to talk about in this podcast is this and i think you're the perfect person to talk about it um again because we dm about it we, we've talked about it in the past so i want i wanted to also hear what you have to say um but yeah like let's let's dive a little bit deeper into the, the state of fashion media right now as a business from a consumer perspective um, what what does it need more of? What does it need less of? Thoughts? Yeah. Um, okay. I guess I could start with working in fashion media. So it's, and I think Samantha, your previous guest, kind of touched on this, but the hierarchy in fashion media is is just so in your face and blatantly obvious if you're working in the field because when you work with brands and PRs and you start to notice which publications they give exclusives to all the time, right? Or, um, you know, they, 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 you just, there's like these levels of, of, you know, top to bottom in, in fashion media that I think not many people talk about. Um, and, but it's, it's, it's there and it has been there for a long time. Um, you know, you, you, you go to Vogue.com and they get all the exclusives, all the exclusive, all like every single exclusive goes to Vogue.com. Mm -hmm. And part of that, you know, I think Vogue Runway or Vogue.com 
they have a staff of like like an army, right? Of like ten fashion writers and fashion editors and fashion news editors and fashion features editors. So, you know, they're 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 really supportive of the brands because they have an army to cover every single launch. So they get the exclusive. So I get that. But if you like, and I think we saw this with the CFDA when they kind of like partnered, like who mentioned it? I think I think it was Tyler McCall at Fashionista where it's like they only partner with Vogue for everything, right? So I think as an organization that promotes American fashion, like it doesn't make sense to just work with one publication for every single thing. Um, and, you know, Paper has worked with the CFTA on like a couple of initiatives the past year. So I'm happy about that. So there's progress. Um, but in, in terms of like the hierarchy, like, you know, and it, it, you see it on, on the seating charts for, for fashion shows, um, you know, you, if depending on, you know, which brands you gave pages to in your print magazine, like, okay, then you'll get a front row. Like, it's really just all of these like weird dynamics of like scratching your back. Um, so, you know, if, if for, for anyone who wants to become a fashion writer, like, you know, it's, it's, that's part of the job and, and it's kind of unfortunate um, because it's about relationships and those dynamics and, and the hierarchies. Um, so that's something that I think it's, you kind of have to consider um, it's, it's just the nature of the industry. Um, but from a, from a consumer perspective, um, you know, I don't know many consumers who are like loyal to like a publication really um, I think they're kind of more loyal to like the writers themselves, like as a personality, um, you know, as, as someone who, who has an, a point of view on fashion. Um, like I, like, I, like, I can't tell you, like, I probably, I, I, for example, like, I don't know many, very many people who, and I'm just giving an example, I'm not dragging anyone, you know, who, who open InStyle.com every morning to read their fashion section, right? Like, because most people consume that on social media, like the tweets or whatever, um, and then they'll click if they want to. So, for 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 the from a consumer's perspective, you know, I and and I can speak in my case, like the stories that I read are because the reader, the writers that I follow, that I I'm invested in, they they wrote about it, and I know that they do great work. So, um, I read fashion media that way. So it's the the brand loyalty aspect of fashion media i think is kind of dwindled over the years because it's become so generic and every every outlet covers the same so it's more about the writer and it kind of puts a load on their shoulders because now they have to build their brand right like okay like now i have to like tweet a lot or like be funny like you know it's so it's it's kind of a double edged sword in a sense but um yeah i think from i think that from a consumer side, it's more about, okay, like, oh, wait, this is the writer that I fuck with. Let me see what they're writing about versus, oh my God, Harper's Bazaar wrote about this. What did they have to say? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so interesting. And that's so fucking true. <laughs> like now that you say it, I'm like, my mind is actually blown because I think that, um, yeah, I think when you look back um, for a while, it became about the publication brand. It's like, that obsession with Vogue, the obsession with like a bazaar, the obsession with Vanity Fair. And then you go like, there's added layers into that, which is like the Megala and Vogue, the Vanity Fair Oscars after party, you know, like there's 
all of these cultural levels, all of that. But what you just said is very interesting because it's so true. People have really that loyalty to the publication is really no longer relevant. And I think content, quote unquote content, has really helped with that, like really dismantling like the loyalty to one um, publication. Because before you like you subscribed, right? So you're like, okay, can I actually subscribe to like 10 magazines or do I subscribe to one? who I think is maybe the best. And that's what you did versus now you follow all of them on Instagram and nothing's going to happen. Like you're not going to lose space, right? Like you can, you can follow as many publications as you want and you can still consume their content through that. And what you just said in terms of writers is so true because I don't go into like a book.com and read absolutely everything. I don't go into GQ and read everything. I don't go into Fashionista and read everything. I read what Tyler is writing at Fashionista. I read what Rachel is writing at GQ. I, you know, I, I read absolutely everything. You can write anything and I'll still, I'll still read what you're writing. Same thing at BOF, like Alex Mondelec and when, when she was a freelancer, anything that Alex was writing, I was reading, you know, Lauren Sharma at BOF, anything that she writes, I'm reading. And there are these specific, like, and I, I'm sure I'm forgetting some of my faves, so I'm sorry if I forgot, um, but like, I've come to really be more, again, be more loyal or more interested in the writer than in the publication. And I think what you just said is just so interesting. It's true. It's true. Um, Alexandra is a great example um, because she was freelancing before and she wrote for different outlets, right? Mm-hmm. But you did this in it. So, so you wrote, you read those outlets because she wrote it, not because they're the outlets, exactly. right? So that's, so that's a great example for a freelancer. Uh, I know she's, she's on staff at BOF now, but um, yeah. It, and I think social media has a lot to do with that because you, you you follow someone because of their take, because of their tweets, but also what they write. And, you know, and I'm going to be honest here, like, I have not read a print magazine, like, I want to say, like, four or five years now, because everything is online. Um, I'm not going to miss out on anything because the, the feature story in the well is going to end up online anyway, right, if I want to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, like, you you there's really no need to subscribe um which i feel kind of bad saying because like you know i do see the merits of print and like you know flipping through it or whatever but you know like i'm i'm a busy girl like i will rarely make time like if my free time i'm gonna i'm gonna spend watching summer house on bravo or you know like like stuff that's like that i can't get anywhere else so exactly that's so true i don't think the only fashion magazines that I've bought in the last few, like, yeah, in the past year, for example, have been either because <laughs> they feature one of the girls, so like, say, Christopher Joe Rogers, I'm like, yes, I want that magazine, um, or because, like, one of the people that I admire or follow, like, has written. So, like, for example, Marjan Carlos, I love what Marjan, anything Marjan writes, I'll read. Um, and it's the same thing. Like if she if she writes a cover story or anything, I'm gonna buy the magazine because I want to have like her writing, right? But I don't I don't read the rest of the magazine. Yeah, you know. And the reality is, I've already read the um, the profile online. Exactly, exactly. I I will I like if I had to subscribe now, I'd probably subscribe to like a British Vogue because you know that's content like UK abroad, right? That I might not get so easily here. I know there's like Vogue UK or whatever, but there's so much going on there. Like I'd rather just like read it all like in one curated format. And I, I love what, yeah. obviously what um, what the editor is doing there. So I think that's a good example. And like, 
like I actually do kind of want that cover with the CJR look. I, 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 I need to get on eBay soon. That's like something I'm probably going to get. But yeah, I think um, it's good. Like for print, um, it's going to like, rather than subscribing to everything, like I think for those who still find merit in print, you're going to, like you said, right? It's something that you have a connection to that you want to treasure versus mm-hmm. just amassing all these different issues from different publications, which you're probably not going to read all of them. Exactly. But it's interesting what you just said about British Vogue, because it went back to the editor, right? It went back to Edward Edenpool. And it's like, he is still like the writer, right? Like he's still, you're, you're, we're going back into, into like the persona. And I think that's so interesting. Really. Yeah. Disclaimer, um, Jose is wearing a CJR sweater right now. <laughs> I know. If you're, right? if you're not like... watching the video and you're just listening to the podcast, he's full decked out in CJR spring 2021. <laughs> Period, exactly. <laughs> well, I think that's it's great that there's like a generation of designers now that um, that they, they understand that you know the fashion media world is, or I guess the people that they care about should not be limited to just like the establishment, right? Like there's a whole <laughs> you know wave of you know, young commentators or anyone in Instagram who have informed takes on the industry that, you know, that I think is uh, really important that fashion kind of nurtures. Um, I know Preble Garong was a fan of our last, um, uh, not reels, what's it called? Live rooms. Live rooms, thank you. Um, okay, let me be honest here. I... I, I obviously respect like a Tim Blanks, like a Kathy Horan and like, you know, they still publish great work, but I'm not looking to them for like, mm-hmm. I, I, like I'm not dying to read what they have to say on a subject. Like, because I, there's this whole group of, you know, my, my peers on social media that, that are, they just communicate in a way that we get. And it's, it doesn't come from, you know, this like establishment sort of, old school point of view um you know 30 years ago like their what they wrote about like was like the end all be all right like the review and women's mm-hmm. were daily like um and or the new york times but now it's just the, the playing field is just you know leveled in a completely different way um and yeah sorry sorry tim sorry kathy <laughs> i mean but really like i think we all I grew up on Tim Blanks, on Kathy. Like, we all have the utmost respect to them. Like, you know, we, you can ask any, like, fashion commentator, any fashion avid Twitter, anyone, and they all have so much respect. And we still, we like, at least I, like, I still read everything they write, right? Kathy writes something and I'm like, work, I still read it. Like, Tim writes something, Vanessa Friedman, Robin, like, especially Robin. I'm like, anything she writes, I'll read. But, like, we also understand that, and it's what you say, like, who do we communicate with the most? Like who has a perspective that we relate to the most, right? Yes, it's interesting to hear what like a Kathy or like a Tim are saying. It's always going to be interesting. It's always going to be informative because it's also like a level of like knowledge and access that we currently don't have because it's years of working on something, right? It's years of writing, years of looking at the industry. So it's still beneficial to look at, but it's different when I see what you have to say about a collection, when I see what like Luke has to say about a collection, because I can relate to the way, not like one, to the way in which y'all are writing or approaching something, but also to the way in which you look at things. Because I also know like what you have been thinking because you have been tweeting it, you know? 
Um, I think it gets tricky because um, these writers that we mentioned, like they've been writing about these designers for decades now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just kind of frustrating for me when the brands only give access to those like three or four writers all the time for every single story. Um, and, 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 you, and, you know, I think Bridget Foley at Women's Wear Daily, who's no longer there, but I know for a time people were kind of not criticizing her, but saying, hey, well, like, you know, aren't you and Marc Jacobs like really good friends? Like you've never write anything negative about him or anything you know, it's all, you know, rainbows and and and, and fairy tales. Um, and so she kind of had to push back against that. But, you know, it's it's when, when, and I guess this could apply to any writer, but like when you work in an industry for so long, like, and this is, I don't know how like a Vanessa Friedman does this, but, you know, it's hard not to like build some sort of rapport with these designers that you're talking to all the time. And, you know, there's like genuine, like, you know, connection there. And then, then you have to maybe write about them in a not so nice way. Like, um, but I think my point was when certain brands, like they're, they're still clinging on to like the old school establishment, you know, review or, or exclusive. And it's like, give it to more people. Like there's so many writers, young writers um, that, you know, that you could offer your designer to for an interview or it's, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of tiring, but, you know, I, I do see the appeal in, you know, in having, in having their, their review, but it's, I'm not, it's not like, and I, I just don't understand why it's not like we're dying. We, like we need to hear what they have to say. Like they like all the time, like all the time. So. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, so one last thing I would like to go into is <laughs> content. <laughs> like social media and content. Know, right? That is the next theme, just content. <laughs> content. No, I mean, it's, so listen, content is a word that like haunts me in different ways. Um, primarily because I, in my head, I'm always like, oh, I could post that and then it becomes content. And then I stop liking it because I thought about it too much. Right. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> I think social media in general, we touched on this a little bit, um, when we talked about like subscribing and we talked about all the writers is like, it's such a, it's such a great tool, right? Like social media in general can be a really good tool um, depending on how it's used. It can also be detrimental. I think it really depends on like, again, tweeting or Instagram can be super beneficial for a writer or for really anyone to get their voice out. I think I'm I'm a great example of that, but it can also be detrimental for someone more established, right? Because, I don't know. I think when you look at um, content through like uh, a bigger publication perspective, it's like okay, so like, what what why do I need to see this? What why do I need to see the same photo of like Haley Bieber stamped across like the same ten 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 outlets, right? Like that's what makes me unfollow Vogue, unfollow Harper's Bazaar, unfollow Vanity Fair. Like I don't need to see the same photo stamped everywhere. So like, why is it there, right? So let's. I would love to hear your, your perspective in terms of that pusher as well that's social media um yeah i think ultimately they they just want to reach the highest number of people as possible and for better or for worse for some reason the masses care more about a Haley bieber on, on a surface level right like that's what that, that's what we 
have been conditioned to think because those are the ones that'll get most clicks from a wider wider audience versus like a fashion audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, you know, in media, digital media, the goal is still to have the ha- the highest traffic as you can, the highest clicks, the highest uniques. Um, so in, in that sense, I think that's why, um, you know, there is like the same group of mostly white um, starlets that get get you know a story written about them for every, like every time they leave the apartment right if yeah. it's like some <laughs> literally like oh here is katie holmes um making a case for you know uh lingerie i don't know or you know uh, makes a statement or you know it's um because it is you know, the, 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 this whole tie, ties into the whole, what can I write about that's fashion that's going to get the most clicks? And at the end of the day, that's going to be Katie Holmes, Haley Bieber, Emily Ratajkowski, Bella Hadid, Kendall Jenner, right? I could go on. Um, and, and so, and so with social media, those are the pictures that get uploaded to the grid be, uh, read the link in bio, um, get me those clicks, right? So, yeah, social media is to blame, of course, um, because for a lot of publications, social media is where they derive the most traffic from. So they're going to they're gonna post, you know, Getty images of this street style celeb that we wrote a 200-word story about that hopefully can get 100,000 views, right? So yeah, that's 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 definitely social media's um, uh, fault. Um, but you know, I I think I still I still think there can be room to cover that if you have to, but also write about other more interesting stuff that takes you know time to produce and write and get, gather sources and features. You know, and that's all limited to fashion, right? That's 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 for any any subject. But I think it is important for fashion because you don't often see you know stories from a mainstream consumer publication not bof not women's Wear daily i'm talking about like a hearst publication a Kanye publication um because if you i guarantee you if you open their style section online right now and open those tabs mm-hmm. there's there's going to be very few reported fashion features or interesting you know an, a, analysis of fashion culture at large, because those are not the stories, unfortunately, that, you know, the the stories that take as little time to produce that I'll get the most clicks as possible. Those are the ones that you're going to see on social media. And, 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 you know, and and that goes back to what I said about how they all look the same. So. Yeah, I think, and like, from my perspective as a designer, I can, I, I have some thoughts on that, because it's also interesting to see, like, it's also a matter of like the like what we um, accustom the consumer to, right? It's also a matter of like what we what we consume. Like yes, like the the consumer wants something, but it's also a matter of like maybe teaching your consumer like what to expect from you or like what to look at when they're looking at you. And I think for me, it's been a little bit tough. Like for example, as like a quote unquote content creator, which is the label that I hate. Um, we but, like, find whatever another word for that. that. Like someone, 
we really do. After you finish guys. listening to this, like DM one of us, like what's another word we can use instead of content? Exactly, because yeah, it pains me a little bit. But listen, like I, I write a lot, for example, I write a lot on stories, I write a lot on captions, et cetera. And that's not like the go-to kind of like Instagram content, right? But I found that there's people that like that and like people expect that from me maybe, or like people know that if they're gonna sit down and write read one of my captions, it's gonna be like longer or my stories are the same. So I think in a way, like, yes, it's made me more niche, but it's allowed me to still do what I do through like kind of like that training of what you can expect from me. And I think I, I'm lucky because I can do that, right? Because I'm, it's just me because I'm growing, et cetera. Like I just started not super long mm-hmm. ago. Uh, I think there is like what you say, there is a, mean, a way of like balancing both mm-hmm. um, that kind of like more meaningful or more interesting or more individual um, content or um, just like what people are looking for, what needs to drive the, the algorithm towards you, what is going to get you the most clicks, like the SEO kind of vibe, et cetera. Like there, there is a way of balancing both. Yeah. And I think you mentioned niche earlier, like, I think you know, ex- like media executives don't like that word, but yeah. I love niche. I love that word. And I encourage, you know, uh, freelancers and writers who want to pitch me, like, like think niche, like unique, like something totally different against the grainy. like, cause we, I don't want to publish like what everyone else is publishing. Like I want something like that only, only you could think about and write about that is still interesting and fresh. Um, you know, it might not get like um, Emily Ratajkowski level sort of click, um, but I, 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 I don't care about that because what nourishes me, what fuels me it are, are these more like under the radar sort of like takes on fashion that no one else wants to like talk about. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah. And I think one last thing on that is just it's also that comes and i think it happens in design as well right like when you design product for an audience you want it to like these bigger brands wanted to reach the most amount of people because it means the most amount of money and the most product sold right versus smaller brands like some of them that don't want to be the mil- the next million or billion dollar brand are like i don't care like i, I if 10 people buy it it's great um mm-hmm. because it's going to be everything to them well, I think that's what makes Eddie Slimane Celine so interesting because I, I don't know if it was you or Luke who posted the review on Instagram, but the comments were like, oh my God, Zara, 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 Zara. Like it's like, it looks so generic, not necessarily bad generic, but it just looks everyday clothes, right? And the fact that it's from a luxury LVMH label that, you know, wouldn't normally be associated with something niche, but it's like the opposite of niche, right? It's like really just like everyday clothes. So from a fashion perspective, not to the kind of, it's interesting, interesting to see how like that is being applied, you know, at a brand versus like a, like a writing um, outlet um, because it's going to reach a lot of people and a lot of people are going to buy it. It's, it's not the most innovative, but so I think there's there's an interesting correlation there between like a brand and then like a like a magazine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to like Balenciaga and Gucci. Like we all know that that like base level of the of the bag with both brandings is could be considered niche, but in the end, it reaches like the a large amount of people that are looking for the logo, right? That really only care about the logo, 
But in most cases, the bag that they're going to buy is not because they are the, the returning customer, but it's because they have money for that one bag and they want that one bag to really scream Gucci or really scream Balenciaga or really scream in this case, Vogue. Um, well, absolutely. I think there's, there's a, like a fashion customer that is like a fashion customer. And then there's a fashion customer mm-hmm. that's like a, like a label, just a label whore, like flashy logos. Like like exactly. a like a like a like a housewife of Beverly Hills, for example. They're not fashion mm-hmm. customers. They're they're the other one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's something for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No hate to anyone. It's just that's how it is. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's the best place to kind of like leave this. There's something for everyone. Everyone's gonna be able to love that one thing, whether it's a Haley Bieber or like Katie Holmes' new crop top, or it's like the deep cut on Clubhouse or Rihanna's vintage style. There's something for everyone, and I think yeah, that's something to be thinking. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, thank you again so much for joining us on Bias, for kicking off this first, the second season. Um, I'm so happy. This conversation was so great, and I can't wait for people to hear I'm so it. happy. I hope I didn't say anything that'll get me fired or in trouble with brands. That was, like, my number one thing. But I, I love everyone, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> All love here. No shade. There's no shade. Never is a shade. I think that's amazing. We all have our like quote like bias TM opinions, Um, but they're just that, right? They're opinions, and we still are appreciative of the industry. We still appreciate everyone's work. We're not trying to shade everyone or put anyone down. That's not our exactly. We just like to talk about things. Totally. That's what you said it best. Well, I'm. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad I could help you kick off season two and. Can't wait for everyone to listen. My handles are at Mario Abad on Instagram and Mario A. Abad on Twitter. Period. <laughs> Love that you're that girl already because I was the next question was going to be like, where can people find I you? Can't, I can't go away without at least one. Yeah, plugging those in. Never. The plug Just is important. The plug yeah. Is very important. <laughs> but yeah, um, those, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for tuning into Bias and thank you. Thanks, Jose. Talk soon. Bye.